You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. The Archaeology Podcast Network is sponsored by Codify, a California benefit corporation. Visit Codify at www.codifi.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. This is Christopher Sims. I'm the editor for many of the shows on the Archaeology Podcast Network, and this uh, special segment was a spinoff of episode 106 of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. So episode 106 and 105 are companion episodes that go together, and they talk about a lot of things. Uh, job stress is is one way you could look at it. We, The hosts talk about the side hustle, and this is a conversation that spun off of that where we vent a lot of our frustrations about establishing a career in archaeology and where the foundations need to be. So hope you enjoy this, and we hope to release more special segments like this in the future. You're setting up 90% of people for a fail. It's like telling telling grad students that you know if they just work hard enough, they can get a tenure tenure track job, and yeah. and that's not necessarily true. People can work their eyeballs out, and and you know being runner up on on the shortlist, and being runner up on the shortlist is still losing. You mm-hmm. still don't get that, yeah. and you know. And and that's the real that's the realistic attitude, which doesn't mean that that you know that person who does get it, you know there are the positions, but you know it, it's unrealistic to tell everybody like if you just try hard enough you're going to get it. I mean th- there is no participation, right? Mm-hmm. You're not getting a medal just for participating. <laughs> um, and, and I mean I mean I... there are jobs if you like what you're doing and you want to keep doing it by all means keep doing it. But, you know, keep in mind, you know, don't let it crush you when you decide that, no, really, you need to do something else. And, and it's that okay ide- to do something else. Right. That idealized standard, uh, Chris, would mm-hmm. never have worked for someone like me in my personality. Um, the reason for that is if, if I came to expect that I was going to get a job right out of college, that I was going to make 60 grand a year, that I was going to have uh, benefits and all this other cool stuff just because I work hard, probably wouldn't have made me want to work too hard. What my professors did, and they were all CRMers, so they they uh, <laughs> they gave me the the God's honest truth. They said, your life's going to suck. It's going to be hard. You're not going to be able to make your bills. You're going to be living in a crappy-ass hotel. It's going to be horrible. You need to understand that going into this and recognize that. And if you don't understand that, then you're in the wrong line of work. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to be committed to it. And they said it's going to be hard. You're not going to like it. You're going to hate your job sometimes, and other times you're going to absolutely love it. That yeah. that honesty was what actually made me work harder because I, I wanted it. Yeah, I, I worked hard in order to get where I was. And if they had just said, ah, you know, you're going to get out of college. It's going to be super easy to get your job. 
whether that be a, a professorial position or a uh, or a CRM position or whatever. Mm -hmm. the, I probably wouldn't have worked as hard. Yeah. I mean, when and I was in I, school, I, I was told that I would come out making 60K a year at least and, you know, that I'd you know, could very easily own my own firm and blah, blah, blah. But I was never told, like you said, Sonia, that it was going to be really fucking hard. And there was going to be times that I would really hate what I did and that it would be soul sucking. And like, I would end up nuking my savings and be uninsured most of the time. Yeah. And yeah. Cashing out your 401k to start your business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know? also like I got out of college with a, with a degree at the worst time to do so. Like when the economy had absolutely tanked and hit its worst and the only way that I kept going through it is because I had, you know, some good opportunities, but I also got this kind of like survival mentality where I was like, I'm never, ever going to do that again. And mm -hmm. I just don't want to do it. And so, mm -hmm. you know, there's been times that I've just walked away from archaeology entirely just because it, it doesn't work for me. In the comments well, there's earlier, also the support I, group, right? it, that, you know, a lot of people and that has helped so yeah it's like sort of looking out for you yeah totally it took a long time to build that though oh yeah it yeah. does let me let me just clarify something too here is is when i say um idealized standard you know i'm, I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything for anybody i mean I, th I don't think i've done that at all i think i've told people that they need to manage their expectations they need to understand how hard this is which should tell them how hard they need to work and sonia whatever Whatever idealized standard you're saying wouldn't work for you, you've done it though. Like you, you started out at the bottom, and now you're running a company and employing people and making your own decisions and doing your own thing. And you're not just doing it as a mom and pop. You started out that way, but now you have employees. Yeah. Now you have projects. You're in mm -hmm. multiple states. I mean, you are, you are the idealized standard. And I busted my ass to do it, and it exactly. was really, really, as Chris said, really fucking hard. And it still is. That's what day. I'm talking about. You, you didn't, you were, you weren't handed any of that. You had to learn other skills, actively no. learn things. You had to talk to people, find out how they knew how to do things. When you worked at those big companies, you didn't just phone it in. Mm -hmm. You didn't just go to work every day and, and then forget about archaeology at the end. You paid attention to how proposals were written. You paid attention to how projects were run. I asked. And you asked questions. Yeah, I that's, asked questions. That's all I'm talking about. That's what people need to do. If they want to, if they want to be successful in this business, and that's my only point, really, you need to actively participate in your own in your own career, and not just let it, yep. not let it happen to you, but make make your own decisions and make it work for you. I think I think that this sort of thing needs to be discussed at the like the collegiate level, undergraduate level. Oh yeah, for Kids sure. Start taking not just you know, anthropology 101, they're, they're actually starting to get into maybe the two or 300 level courses or however they, however they start, you know, sorting those out nowadays. Mm -hmm. But I, I really think that this needs to be discussed every day. They, these kids need to know, and I, and I apologize for calling y'all kids, but, <laughs> but um, they're kids. Uh, you know, these, <laughs> these young people, these young professionals need to know that this job is really, really freaking hard. And if you don't have responsibility on your side, if you don't have a support network or connections on your side, you're you're not you're not going to go far without the work. Yeah. And it takes yeah. a lot of work. Like yeah. I'm exhausted. You know, I run, I own and run a business, and I like we were talking earlier about passion. I'm like I when I stop working, I have got to turn that off. Otherwise, 
like I got to go turn that off and go shoot some guns or I don't know, uh, take a hike with my dog or whatever. I have to let that go because it's physically exhausting. It's emotionally and mentally exhausting to keep doing this all the time. And one of the things that I was saying earlier on the, on the text is that I love bursting people's bubbles because <laughs> when, when we get crews coming like new, new professionals coming out of coming out of college and being like, Oh, I just really love archeology. span I want to go out and wear cute shorts and a, t- you know, cute top and whatever, you know, I'm kind of being a little sexist to that, my own that's what I right say. now, but whatever, <laughs> you know, I want to, I want to, I'm an archaeologist. It's very romantic. It's a very romantic field that people have this perception of. No, it sucks. You're going to be working in construction clothes. It's dirty. It's awful. You're going to have a hard time paying your bills. It's going to just be, it's going to be shitty. But some people will love it because of that. And if you're mm-hmm. one of those, great. You're going to work for it. So anyway, I, I'm talking circularly right now, but <laughs> you know, I, I just I really think that this needs to go out to to young people in school immediately, because if they think that they're going to come out of school making 60 grand a year and get health benefits and all the other all the other cool stuff and 40 hour work week, they've been misled. Mm-hmm. And what's wrong with that is they've been intentionally misled. Absolutely. And I think yeah. that that kind of training needs to be part of the core values that uh, universities are, you know, adopting right now. They're they're adopting, you know, critical thinking and integrity and all these other things that are honestly just hollow buzzwords that they've attached on to like the, the core curriculum. But something like career development and like professional planning and stuff like that needs to be in there because Otherwise, it's just perpetuating this whole cycle of churning out degrees with no hope for them to get, you know, a, an and application. But there is an application, but college, it's so hard to find the – it's so hard to navigate that gap, which is where we are now. When I, when I was in college and graduate school, I would listen to some of the, the discussions that my professors were having amongst themselves. Not necessarily eavesdropping. I was engaged in the conversation with them, but listening as well. They would talk about what was necessary to keep students in the program, to recruit pro- students into the program, and get them graduated. Mm-hmm. That's the goal because programs get funding. They maintain their programs in the university setting when they have students who are performing in the program and graduating. And, you know, Bill, f- feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but it almost felt self serving. Oh, but yeah. not doing a service to their their students. Yeah, I mean, you guys are right. The whole goal of the university is to get more students and more money, right? I mean, uh, anthropology professors are not so different in that they want students and they want them to uh, grow intellectually and to graduate, right? And they work within a company. So a lot of us think that, you know, big universities or any university is this higher education institute it's not. It's it's a business, and what it sells is the degrees. But I would say that um, schools are starting to figure it out. Uh, however, now there's kind of a, a crisis in some ways. So uh, I've been talking to people uh, at a number of different universities uh, trying to finish my PhD who uh, 
you know, they're interested in hiring folks. And it's it's starting to become real that they're realizing that the connection between what they're teaching in school and the people who are graduating, um, they're starting to uh, realize that those people need to have the skills to survive in the world. And they actually are trying to do something about it. However, it's not always understood what they should do. So um, they're not really sure if they should hire new faculty that have skills in cultural resources or whether they should uh, partner with local companies or whether they should build their own separate uh, cultural resource management department and teach that as a lesson. Like they're starting to realize that. And a lot of that is really, um, uh, I can give credit, credit to the young millennial students who have no time for uh, extra. They just, they understand the name of the game. More than half of them probably don't actually even want to be in college and they just want the degree so that they can finish. And those students are not interested in going to schools and in, in, uh, going into departments that are not gonna deliver that kind of stuff. So in a world where the students are complete realists and work from a point of pragmatism, like that's their main motivation for them to even be there, universities, uh, anthropology departments are being forced to respond. Uh, I gotta disagree with you on that. Um... Well, I mean, I have a different perspective uh, because I did not go to public universities. Um, I did for my master's, but not for my undergrad. And the perspective there is a lot more, um, a majority of your education is, uh, is more along the lines of the extra stuff. That, you know, what you are learning, it's, it's not a trade school. You are not there to learn how to count flakes. You are there to learn how to think critically, to adapt to a wide variety of um, environments. Um, it's a very different sort of education than what I think a, a lot of public universities do. Um, uh, and I think, you know, coming from that perspective, and I know that most of the people who also come from that perspective, uh, fine, you know, it's like if you, you know, when you, Buckle down and just focus. I only want to do the core classes that I have to do for my, you know, particular degree. Those guys are the people who suffer when um, the industry that they're training for hits the fan. Like, you know, when in the '90s, like all of a sudden there was this big boom where everybody needed programmers, and the people who only did programming basically found themselves cut out because they couldn't adapt to the changing work environment. Um, that that really you know, what's better at, at the undergrad level. Um, and, and, you know, this is also the case that I make for, you know, for a four field approach rather than, you know, specifically just archaeology or whatever, is that, you know, the, the jobs that you're going to be getting, the careers that you're going to be pursuing aren't necessarily, you, you need something, you need education that's considerably more flexible and, and more adaptable. Yeah, I know they don't think that way. And I'm, I'm responding to your comment. Um, but that's because they're the students. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's one of those things like, you know, like, um, you know, we're all sitting around talking about how field techs have like this really misguided notion of what it's like to do archaeology because they don't, ha they haven't done it for 20 years. And, 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 and when you're on the outside and you're looking at how people have gone through it and it's like, no, no, really like, you know, you don't understand the implications of what you're arguing for. And it's the same sort of thing. But the, that's, uh, Stephen, none of us are
part of that group. We all wanted more. That's why we're even doing this podcast, right? Because we were the ones who wanted to expand our intellect. But if you think back those classes where we were in that room with like 200 other students, I mean, many of those people just didn't care at all. They were just there because mom and dad had money or they heard always from their high school counselor that they needed to have a college degree. And so they're there just to get a degree. And it's not like they really want to learn more. They just don't want to, you know, be uh, doing some kind of undesirable job. They don't want to be flipping burgers. They don't want to be doing something that uh, they don't feel is worthy of their lifestyle. And that's why they're at college. So, like, yeah, it's hard for us because none of us were like that. Like, we all wanted more. I mean, I I would extend that to be, you know, the the idea that, I mean, really, I I don't know that I, I mean, I was never that great of a student. Um, and, and, you know, particularly at, at the undergrad level, but it's, it's the structure of the education it, and it's like, you know, the, the worst thing you can do is ask, ask 20 year old me what I ought to be studying because I don't fucking know what I'm going to need. You know, it, it, it like that needs to come down from the people who actually have an idea of, you know, what's going on out there and, and, and a, a more flexible you know, perspective of the expectations of what you learn in school and, and what you end up doing outside of school. Um, and, and, you know, that, that needs to be coming from the university. It's, and, and, you know, I'm sorry to be top down, but that's really way it needs to be coming out. No, yeah, you're right. The, the problem is the guys at the top are not the kind of people that you're thinking. I mean, they they used to be the CEO of like Lyft and now they're the university president because they thought that they had some kind of idea about how to run a university or, I mean, Arizona, which is going to give me my degree when I finish all the obligations, their president was some other kind of CEO, not an actual teacher. And she did all kinds of crazy stuff like signing on to be the director of the board for DeVry, a competing educational institute at a time when they're supposed to be expanding online education and she got busted for it. There was some other kind of murky deal that they made with the insurance company to take over the medical school to build a new building and all this stuff. And there was all these stories of uh, money that was like, you know, went into a different uh, zone than it was supposed to. I mean, I don't actually know all the details, but I know that the people who are in charge of these schools are not necessarily working towards the intellectual expansion of the student's mind. And, and like, you know, it's it's really up to people like us who wanted to know more, whether we were good students or not. I mean, I wanted to know more about the past. I read every single thing that I was supposed to read. I tried to write every paper as well as I could because I just wanted to know more about archaeology and, and cultures and all that stuff, right? And so that kind of goes into who I am and, and it kept going like into graduate school. But in those same big classes, you know, uh, American history, like 100 or whatever, I'm in there with like 170 other students and like the similar thing now, 20 years later. So back in the day, there was kids sleeping in class. Now there's kids just like texting purely and the professor just walks right up to them in class and is like, you know, so what did I just say in that last sentence? And the students just like, they don't even stop texting. They're still on Facebook and they're just like, well, I don't really even know. I mean, that student's paying tens of thousands of dollars to get a degree. They're not really looking to expand their uh, understanding of anthropology. I see this stuff every single day, man. Uh, and back when we were going to school, we were surrounded by people who were the same. So, you know, we're not in the same category. 
if the university tried to expand our intellect, it's really only going to hit a population, but not all of the students. All right, everyone, we're going to have to kill it there. So if we manage to release this as a special episode, enjoy. Um, I would like to include some of our longer interviews as um, special extensions to the original ones. So um, hopefully we did that. And if we did, enjoy it and uh, hope you got something out of it. So, all right. Thanks a lot, everybody. That's it for another episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash CRM Podcast. If you like the show and want to comment, please do. You can leave comments about this or any other episode on the website or on the iTunes page for the episode. You can also email me at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com or use the contact form on the podcast webpage. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website or tweet your questions with the hashtag CRMARCpodcast or you can tag at ARCpodnet in your tweet. Please share the link to the show wherever you saw it. If you share CRM archaeology-related items on Twitter or Facebook or anywhere else for that matter, be sure to use the hashtag CRMARC so the community can see and comment. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so on iTunes or on Stitcher Radio. You can also type the name of the podcast into your favorite podcasting app and subscribe that way. Don't forget to go over to iTunes and leave a review of the show. It helps us get noticed so more people can find our podcast and benefit from the content. Also, send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. Also, please consider donating to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Your donations help fund our bandwidth and contribute to our editing costs. This show is produced by Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle and edited by Chris Sims. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode and for supporting the Archaeology Podcast Network. If you want these shows to keep going, consider becoming a member for just $7.99 US a month. That's cheaper than a venti quad eggnog latte. Go to archpodnet.com slash members for more info.